0: It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever. The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to paramountplus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Hey! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes, I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! college football playoff is finally officially expanding after a long-awaited decision from the college football playoff to do so, starting in 2024, two years earlier than initially planned, and it's finally happening. Also, it's conference championship weekend across college football. Some big games, and of course, the biggest one of all, at the Pac-12 championship, as the Pac-12 tries to end its drought in the college football playoff. Hey, I'm Brandon Marcello, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. It's Friday, December 2nd. So, we got the playoff expanding, finally. A lot of details still to be ironed out, mostly on the back end with television rights and everything with ESPN, but the fact of the matter is, is we're going to a 12-team playoff, and it's as simple as the six highest-ranked FBS conference champions get the automatic bids, and then it's the next six highest-rated teams in the playoff committee's rankings. The four highest ranked conference champions get a first round bye. That means independent programs like Notre Dame or Hardy Har UConn cannot get in with a first round bye, even if they are in that top four in the rankings, because they do not play in a conference championship. So moving forward, this is what it looks like. First round games on campuses. And then starting with the quarterfinals, games will be played at bowl sites. Now, what's interesting about this is some things could still be tweaked when a new contract goes into effect starting in 2026. Remember, This current college football playoff contract goes through 2025, and so they're starting this early under the old contract that will be amended. This new contract, they could do anything they want, but the feeling is it's the only substantial changes that might happen under this new 12-team playoff, starting after the first two years of it, is a possibility of doing on-campus games for not just the first round, but also in the quarterfinals. That is up for discussion, and that will be a hot topic during those first two years of the playoff. But again, it seems close, but it really is still far, far away. We're still dealing with a 14 playoff, of course. And though it looks pretty solid right now, there could be some movement, particularly if we have an upset in the Pac-12 championship game, which will be played Friday. Number 11, Utah. Number 4, USC. Friday, 8 Eastern. On Fox, live from Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium. A very interesting game. So, to help me break down some of these college football conference championship games, I bring in Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports to help me with all this. So, Chris, I, I would think that it's pretty common knowledge among all of us that unless, you know, I don't know, an asteroid hits Earth, that maybe the three undefeated teams that are in the top four right now, which is Michigan, Georgia, and TCU that they will probably still be in the playoff, even if they lose their conference championship games this weekend, but not so much USC, obviously, because they already have one loss. That's where we could see some movement for that number four seed. So I present this to you. Is TCU in, even as a number three spot right now, if they lose the Big 12 championship game this week?
0: I'd hope so. I might pitch a fit if uh, (laughs) TCU isn't in. I I will say... We thought TCU was probably safe in 2014 and TCU obviously did not end up being safe despite entering conference championship week third they finished fifth that year. So you you never know. I think this is a different situation. I think TCU throughout the regular season has proven that it deserves to be a playoff team. I know the Big 12 might not have the top end teams that say the Big 10 does or the SEC does, but For my money, it's the deepest conference in the country, at least top to bottom in terms of parity. And to survive that without having a buy, TCU had its buy way back in early September. So TCU has run the gauntlet here. And I think as long as they lose close to Kansas State, the committee won't have a choice. Um, Obviously, that Ohio State brand is very, very appealing and very, very shiny for the committee. We've seen that annually. We saw that. When Ohio State didn't even win its conference, and it still got in over Penn State, but um, I think TCU deserves it, so they should they should be in. I I, I can't guarantee it'll happen because you never know, but. I think they've earned that right for sure
1: certainly okay so we're gonna go in order here with games and when they're kicking off so we will start with the pac-12 championship game friday night as i mentioned earlier utah and usc a rematch from the regular season when usc fell in a tight and dramatic game in salt lake city usc a three-point favorite going into this one Does Caleb Williams, one, wrap up the Heisman Trophy and get a Pac-12 championship game to send USC into the playoff and end that six-year drought for the conference?
0: All I know is this. It will be an excellent stage for Caleb Williams because both of these teams struggle to play defense at times. Um, I think we all think of Utah as a defensive juggernaut. Um, It hasn't quite been the case this year. The Utes have had their moments, including the first time around against USC when these two teams combined for 85 points. I think I like USC in this game, not only because it's difficult to beat a team twice, it's because of the way Utah won the first time. That was a really emotional home environment. There were two Utah football players in the helmets, Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan painted on the helmets that had been shot and killed during the 2020 and 21 season. Emotions are really high. Um, Utah was insanely good on fourth down. They went three for three. They had far less penalties than USC. Um, I think it swayed the game. I think USC is a slightly better team. And they should win this time around, but we've seen Pac-12 champions fall on their face quite a few times, or potential Pac-12 champions and playoff teams fall on their face quite a few times since Washington made the playoffs in 2016. So there's certainly no guarantees.
1: I know the new Pac-12 commissioner, and for that matter, everybody in the Pac-12 other than Utah fans, are going to be crossing their fingers for USC to win win because it's going to help the conference so much as far as just uh, their public profile. Again, USC, a three-point favorite. Then we move on to Saturday, Big 12 Championship game in Arlington, Texas. Number 10 Kansas State against number three TCU, the Horn Frogs, the Hypno Toads, a two and a half point favorite for this kickoff Saturday at noon Eastern Time. There in Jerry World at AT&T Stadium, Chris, again a regular, or uh, you know a showdown from the regular season. Previously, remember TCU trailed Kansas State 28 to 10, and. Will Howard coming in in place of an injured Adrian Martinez and performing very well, throwing for 225 yards, two pass touchdowns. But that second half, as we've seen previously, TCU just on a tear. And what makes this game so interesting, and even back then it did too, is that Kansas State, their first half scoring margin this season is plus 122 points, which ranks 11th in the FBS. Meanwhile, TCU, plus 107 points in second half scoring this season, which is sixth in the FBS. So is this a tale of two halves once again? Or is that TCU team we saw in the regular season finale last week against Iowa State, the one that blew them out and put it together a complete game, the one we'll see as TCU cruises into the college football playoff as an undefeated team?
0: You know, it's funny. Um, I know that result didn't go K-State's way, but I actually felt that offense with Will Howard really found something that day. No offense to Adrian Martinez, who was great earlier this year, but I think the Kansas State offense is better with Will Howard. They just have more options um, within that scheme. As for the game itself, I think these teams are very evenly matched. I usually go back to the idea of playmakers in a situation like this. And I just think Kansas... I'm sorry, I think TCU has far more playmakers than Kansas State that can just swing a game in an instant. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is awesome. TCU has four or five guys that can just turn a game around. And a lot lot of them are healthy now. That wasn't really the case when TCU struggled against Baylor two weeks ago. I expect this to be very close. I expect K-State to get out to a hot start. But given everything on the line for TCU... I think they figure out a way to win this game. Um, K-State had a difficult time slowing down the TCU offense the first time around. Max Duggan averaged almost 11 yards per throw that day. And I expect them to continue to have a lot of success through the air against K-State.
1: Yeah, so many great coaching jobs this season in the Big 12 and particularly, obviously, with Sonny Dykes and Chris Kleiman there at, at, at Kansas State and what they've been able to do. And Kansas State, of course, entered this season as the quote-unquote dark horse in the Big 12. I think you, you yourself, Chris, in the preseason are saying that I think they're going to win the Big 12, potentially. And here they are with Deuce Vaughn and the quarterback we did not expect to be the starter, Will Howard, doing very well. But, of course, Adrian Martinez still around as well to potentially help. It's it's incredible to, to see these two teams in the Big 12 championship. I'm with you there. I think TCU's got just a little bit more weaponry, and I, I think TCU's putting it all together right now. I, I think that um, they're going to play a pretty complete game, and uh, I think they'll win this one by a touchdown, if not more. All right, let's move ahead to the SEC championship game. Not as much drama as this one is in previous years. Number 14, LSU against number one, Georgia. Georgia, a 17-point favorite. That line has actually been moving more and more in favor of Georgia this week. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS, The Mothership. This one live in Atlanta. LSU out of the playoff hunt, obviously, after losing to Texas A&M in the regular season finale at College Station. Georgia, we keep wondering, like, is this just a team that gets bored with opponents? They're just playing around with their food and their victims, so to speak. I, I I'm not so sure I'm sold on that. I just see I see a little bit more weaknesses in this Georgia team at times than I see a team that's just bored out there. I'm I'm expecting kind of a little bit of a defensive battle in this one, personally. What about you, Chris?
0: I think it'll be interesting. I do think Georgia's just kind of been asleep. Um maybe I'll be proven very wrong because they've obviously <laughs> had some ugly moments the last couple weeks specifically honestly the Kentucky game was concerning on offense for Georgia but it's the Georgia Tech start that really that really took me by surprise but I just I just don't see LSU matching up particularly in the trenches in this one like LSU's defensive line is good but not great they really miss Mason Smith and LSU's two freshman tackles on the outside have done a decent job holding up this year but I think they have struggled a little bit the last two weeks and Jaden Daniels um, as good as he's been, as electric as he's been with his legs, like he has also struggled to throw the ball a little bit the last two weeks, and I think you're starting to see cracks exposed there, as well schemed as that LSU offense is. And if you're seeing cracks exposed, Kirby Smart is seeing um, freaking canyons exposed. And in this in this game where where Georgia has ev- I mean I guess they don't really have anything to lose because they're going to be in the playoff either way but like you're playing for a one seed which is a pretty valuable thing because you're probably going to get to play USC I mean I know there's some Ohio State fans hoping that'll be different but. That's a pretty big advantage over getting Michigan or TCU in my in my opinion. So I, I think I think Georgia wins this one. I would pick LSU to cover. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout, but I, I think Georgia's just a better team right now.
1: Much more conference championship previews with Chris Hummer after these messages.
0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
1: Let's move ahead to the AAC, not a Power Five conference, obviously. You know, as Bill Hancock would say, the executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee, there are no group of five schools anymore in an expanded playoff. So we'll wait on that for a couple of years. But right now, this is the biggest group of five championship game because a spot for the New Year's Six is on the line, likely the here in the Cotton Bowl. Number 22 UCF at number eight Tulane in New Orleans. Tulane a three and a half point favorite. Kickoff 4 p.m. Eastern on ABC. UCF, if you guys remember, in the regular season went in the Tulane and actually got up pretty big on them and then had to hold on for a 38 to 31 victory on November 12th, John Reese Plumley had a fantastic day throwing for 132 yards and one touchdown, but running for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Tulane, though, leads the way into this game with a lot of momentum. They snapped a 61-game losing streak against AP-ranked teams last week in their road victory at number 21 Cincinnati, the top dog in the AAC over the last several years. And also, remember this, Tulane is 10-2 and two against the spread this season. That's the best mark in all of college football. Chris, what do you think of this
0: one? It's a really difficult game for me to pick. Tulane is playing better football right now than UCF. UCF is, like, we talked about Georgia just a second ago concerning you. Like, UCF has really concerned me the last two weeks. They've looked awful against Navy in South Florida. But, like, if you go back to the first game, I think... Tulane's biggest weakness is what UCF does well. Like, Tulane does not stop the run that well. I think they're like 60th nationally in yards allowed per rush. That's okay, but UCF thrives on the ground. I think the first time around, UCF ran for like 336 yards, totally controlled the flow of the game. At the same time, and this is me hedging because, like, I guess you just never really know the game's in New Orleans. It's hard to beat the same team twice. I think Brad Crawford and I do predictions every week, and I believe what I picked was UCF to win, but Tulane to cover. I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, this is obviously a really momentous game, as you said, with a likely um, spot in the near six in the line. And um, I'm sure it's great sound and great podcasting when I just hedge, but I, I can really see this going both ways.
1: I can too, but I'm with you. It's very difficult for me to see UCF winning twice against the same opponent on the road, especially with UCF. It's been a very up and down team this year. Very up and down. Lost the Navy a couple weeks ago at home, as most of you remember, when UCF appeared in the national rankings after beating Cincinnati. I'm going to have to go with Tulane here at home to get into a big bowl game. And, of course, also, Willie Fritz was in the running for the Georgia Tech job this week, which ended up going to Brent Key, the uh, interim coach there. I think the players are probably going to be rallied around him a little bit. I think the players, they got all that off their shoulders, and I think they're going to play very well in this one. I think it's going to be an entertaining one. All right, moving on to the Big Ten Championship game as we go to prime time. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's Purdue against number two Michigan Wolverines, a 16.5-point favorite there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Wow. Purdue, by the way, only the second unranked team to play in the Big Ten Championship game, the last one being 2012 wisconsin But do we see the spoiler makers show up, Chris? Because remember, Jeff Braum, the head coach there, he's 3-0 against AP Top 5 opponents. And by the way, all three of those wins have been by double digits. All right. So does Purdue and receiver Charlie Jones have enough to knock off Michigan going into this one? And the big news coming into this one, by the way, for Michigan, Blake Corum, the Heisman Trophy candidate running back, out for the season, expected to have surgery. That's a big hit. But Donovan Edwards, man, very deadly last week in the game against Ohio State, rushed for 216 yards. What are we expecting this one, Chris?
0: I think Purdue's going to be a tough out here. I I would be shocked if they upset Michigan, but Purdue's a really, like if you just look at the advanced data, like Purdue's a really solid team in almost every area. The only place where they're particularly below average in my opinion is run blocking but like Aiden O'Connell throws the ball 70 times a game anyway so it doesn't really matter I think this will just come down to Purdue's front seven and their ability to hold up against Michigan's offensive line I think they'll be able to do so for a little while I don't think they'll be able to do so for the entire game but Michigan has good enough corners I think to control Purdue um, slow them down I think Michigan's the best team Purdue's seen this season by a pretty significant degree I know we're not picking against spread, but I guess I'll just give my spread pick. I think, I think Purdue does cover, but I I do like Michigan to win. I would be, I'd be very, very surprised if the spoiler maker showed up in Indy. Um, I know it's their home turf, but This is a difficult Michigan team to beat um, with how physical they are along the lines of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, much like you were saying at the SEC Championship game about there being outmatched here with personnel, especially in the trenches, I I think Michigan is just going to absolutely push Purdue around. It's going to be a long night for the Boilermakers there in Indy. Okay, so we end now with the ACC Championship game, another game that loses a little bit of its luster going into this one. Number nine, Clemson, as a a seven-and-a-half point favorite against number 23, North Carolina. 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC there in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Both teams coming off regular season losses. Clemson, of course, upset at home. to end their 40-game home winning streak. it to South Carolina in a shocker. Chris, no playoff implications in this one, but hey, Clemson can win again. Another ACC championship game after last season being a little bit of a disappointment, but again... I guess maybe in a bigger picture sense, I almost want to get into this. Are we seeing Clemson kind of come down the roller coaster ride a little bit? Is this the beginning of the end or is this just a lull? Because I don't know if you can read much into the result of this game, but I do think this is just kind of a capper to a kind of a, just a weird season for both Clemson and North Carolina, despite looking very impressive at times.
0: Yeah, I think, I think personally, I think it could be a really interesting off season for both teams. But that's that's for the future. In the short term, well, I guess we're talking Clemson long term. In this game, I think it'll be really close. It's kind of like it's one really bad unit versus another really bad unit with Clemson's offense versus North Carolina's defense. I don't I don't think Clemson's offense at this point in its like and it's existence is set up to really put up points on anyone and North Carolina's offense has also come down to earth a little bit so I I think I picked Clemson um, I think it'll be close I think we'll be in the 30s for this game as for the future of Clemson football I don't think it has to be the end but that would require Dabo Sweeney to be a little more malleable I think the best coaches are extremely malleable I think Dabo Sweeney has shown a lot of creativity in his career and has done an excellent job building a program but I think he's clearly at a inflection point uh, for Clemson football. They have holes all over their roster um, that need to be filled. They have an obvious place to do so in the transfer portal. Whether Davo Sweeney is willing to do so or not remains to be seen. I think Clemson also definitely needs some new ideas on their coaching staff, especially offensively. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what Clemson does moving forward, because I don't think there's any reason for Clemson to fall off. Like Clemson is a brand for young kids now. Um, Clemson is a school that matters. Clemson is a school with an excellent head coach, but you got to adjust the times. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what Davos Sweeney does after Saturday, just as much as it'll be interesting to see what he does on Saturday.
1: Yeah, a couple of things that immediately come to my mind is, does he utilize a transfer portal more? to fill some of these holes, especially on defense, because they're going to be losing a lot this this upcoming offseason. And then also, we see him just promote from within with his two biggest coordinators leaving this past offseason. Is he willing to make changes with staff or maybe even shift responsibilities and maybe bring in some new blood? He's been very hesitant to do that. And then you see him at these press conferences just being very combative and stubborn with reporters whenever they ask very fair questions about DJ Uyanglile. And by the way... Keep an eye on him moving forward, which leads me to this to close the podcast, Chris. Your your professor portal in my mind, the transfer portal opens Monday with that forty five day window. We've been writing about it; it's going to be insane, and I'm sure you've got a migraine, a pre migraine already, gearing up for the migraine that will be Monday. How many kids do you think is going to enter the portal on Monday, and are there going to be some names that shock us or surprise us?
0: How many kids? Do I think. I would estimate anywhere between 500 and 1,000, probably a little closer to 500 just because of the lift that there will be on compliance. But given that every player knows they have a deadline essentially to enter the portal, I think you'll see a lot of movement early to give players as much time as possible to make their next decision. Because it's a very constricted window, given that the early signing period is essentially in two and a half weeks after December 5th. Um, and while you don't have to sign by uh, the early signing period, a lot of schools, if you're going to mid-year enrollee, want you in by that date. So um, it's going to be quite busy. And yeah, I mean, I absolutely think there's going to be some surprises. I I mean, I'm hearing rumors about guys who could go in. That would definitely surprise some people. But rumors are just rumors. Like I've been hearing for a couple weeks. Really, for a long time, I'd been hearing AM's 2023 cl- or 2022 class and fall apart. And from as I understand it, like it's probably going to weather the storm, not completely, but like I don't think it'll be the mass exodus a lot of people thought. So things can change. Um, and there's a lot of time and a lot of money um, between now and Monday. So it'll be interesting to see. NIL IL about to
1: be tested to the breaking point for some schools. Will it's going to be very interesting to watch. Good stuff, Chris. I can't wait for conference championship weekend. And uh, we're still in the midst of silly season. And it's about to get even sillier with the, the transfer portal and all the movement that's going to be made. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks for joining us on the College Football Daily. We'll see you down the road. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. you expect it someone else?